This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide, from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Welcome to today's podcast episode. It's a solo one and it is an episode that has been requested. So recently I sat down on Instagram stories and I just spent five or 10 minutes rehashing something that happened with one of my little boys uh, and I had so much feedback about this one story from people saying, please put this in a podcast so that we can come back and listen to this topic. So your wish is my command and I hope it's helpful. I feel like I always have to say when it comes to parenting stuff, I never want to come across like I'm sitting high and mighty with parenting things because I'm not, you know, and I think that's probably why I have pulled back. It's one of the reasons why I've pulled back about sharing parenting content over the last couple of years. I believe I've been vulnerable in podcast episodes where I've spoken about how for me going through a family breakdown and receiving, being on the receiving end of the stigma that goes along with becoming a single parent and all of that stuff, it really made me question my relationship and my connection to parenting in a way that I didn't see coming. And that might sound incredibly strange because I do believe in my heart of hearts that I am a very good mum. I am very passionate about being a mum and I think it truly is an honour to be a parent. Like I, I do so believe that. And if you followed for years, I think you'll know that that's my truth. But there was this like little voice inside of me going through a family separation because that's what it felt like. I know for some people, they go through a marriage separation and they still have a family unit intact, but that wasn't my reality. It felt very much like creating two separate families, which is not ideal. You know, in the ideal world, you have one kind of family unit, even if the parents are no longer together, but that's probably a whole other conversation. And perhaps I'm getting too rambly on that topic, but I guess I wanted to give some context into why I don't share a lot about parenting, but then I'll have these moments where I sit down and I will share an interaction like I had with my son that I'm about to go into and I get this overwhelming feedback and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I should share these things because we're all in it together and we're all learning. And I think the majority of people know that when I talk about these things, I'm not coming from a place of, I know everything because I do not. And I get it wrong often. 
I'm just someone who is conscious about growing and I try, like I genuinely try to do my best with the kids, but I don't always get it right. And I don't think that um, I'm some authority on the topic of parenting at all, but I do think I have a good insight into growth and the way that people work in certain areas. I don't know why I feel like I have to have that disclaimer. I guess it's because over the years, some people will hear some hear something I say and what they interpret me to be saying is that I know the best way to do it. And if you're not doing it this way, then you're doing it wrong. And for that reason, I've wanted to pull back in sharing, but that's just not my truth. I just don't believe that. Um, and I guess too, as children get older, sorry about that plane going overhead, as children get older, I think as parents, we need to be more considered with what we share about them because they realize that, you know, that parts of their lives are being shown online and they need to have some agency over what is shown and what is shared. When our little ones are babies and toddlers, their day is so entangled with our day and the things that they're going through, such as teething or sleep regressions, um, tantrums, all of that stuff, it's all developmental. It's not so personal or unique to that individual child. Whereas when they get older, uh, I think we do have to protect their privacy and their experiences. That said, the story I'm going to share with you today I think is fine. (laughs) Um, And I've actually spoken to my son and said, I'm going to chat about this. Do you mind? And of course, you know, he's nine, so he's not really at the age where he can uh, fully consent in that way. But I've assured him that I'm sharing this story because it's helpful for adults and parents. And it's not personal at all to his personality. Anyway, (laughs) caveat, caveat, caveat. Just shut up, Kylie, and get into it. Okay. So the story I spoke about over on my Instagram stories goes a little bit like this. We spent some time recently with one of my dearest girlfriends. You guys have heard her. She's been on the podcast, Rachel. We've been friends for over 20 years. She has two daughters. I adore her daughters and I wish I could spend so much more time with them. Unfortunately, we live like an hour and a half drive at best, (laughs) Um, depending, you know, if we have amazing traffic, an hour and a half apart from one another. And we just don't get to spend the level of time together that I would really love to Um, because children, when they're young, they change and they grow so quickly. And I think it's a real joy to see someone that you've known for a long time be a parent. Like I look at Rachel and her hubby and their kids and I just, I don't know, it really like fills my heart with so much joy and happiness to see this family unit that they've created and the way that they all work in with each other. And it's just really beautiful. And so they came down to spend some time with us recently. We went to the beach and then we had a swim and then we had a barbecue, then another swim. And, you know, it was just a really full day of family time. It was so wholesome and so lovely. And over at the beach, I was spending some time with her daughter jumping in the waves, you know, because because I wanted to spend time with her, but also I said to Rachel's hubby, you go out for a swim. Like, you know, when you have two young kids at the beach, one of the adults being left with two kids in the water is not enjoyable for anyone. So I said to him, I'll take the eldest, you go for a swim. Rachel's got the youngest, go for it. 
And we were having a great time jumping up in the waves and she's so little that I could lift her up over the waves and really play with her. At that time, one of my boys was out in the waves bodyboarding with Brendan. He was out there for like an hour at least having a great time with him. Then when he came in, he could see that I was playing with the little girl and I could just tell he was a little bit salty about it. Now, my son is very sensitive. I would say he is an empath. He is also the one who has inattentive ADHD, just like me. He has insecure attachment, just like me. I see so much of myself in him and um, we're like, we're just so alike. Even Brendan says all the time, he's like, whoa, you too, like you too. And sometimes I wonder if we're so alike because he has learned from my behavior how to exist in the world or whether it is an inherent genetic coding. It's probably both. It has to be both, right? But um, I find it so fascinating that I have identical twins who have the same parents and one presents to have very insecure attachment and the other presents to be very securely attached and self-sufficient and so good at self-regulation for the most part. Of course, he's still a nine-year-old boy. But my little one who is a, you know, a real piece of me, he just has more of an insecure attachment. And so anyway, I could see that he was a little bit salty, kind of giving me a bit of side eye. He was uncomfortable that I was having a good time with another child. And he came over and tried to engage in getting my attention and mum, come swim with me. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I will come swim with you. I'm going to dive under the waves with you, but I'm just going to spend a little more time here first. Why don't you play with us? And he did to his credit. He must've had one of those moments where he was like, oh, if you can't beat him, join him. But he jumped on the other side of her and was helping me lift her over waves. And he was really trying, bless him. And so then we did. When I finished there, we went and had a swim together and we were holding hands and having a play and all of that stuff. But as the day progressed, I could see increasingly he was getting annoyed at certain things. And I was just clocking it. Like I could see it. I could see it on his little face. When we got back and had a swim, you know, he was noticing that the things that he does are no longer considered cute, but when a toddler does them, they are cute. And later on, him and I had a conversation about it. I could see that he needed to have a chat about it. There were just little things that were happening with his behavior while we were swimming. You know, he kind of, like Brendan would say to him, hey, do you want to jump off the wall with me? No, thanks. Like that kind of thing. And I could tell that was coming from a place of hurt. He wasn't acting out in terms of having a tantrum. He wasn't making a big scene, but I could see he was actively not engaging in the way that he normally would. And so later that day when everyone had left, him and I had a chat and I sat down, I said, what's going on, buddy? What's happening? And he got the little quiver in the lip. And I said, you've had a hard day, haven't you? You know, I can see that you've had some hard parts today. Um, Do you want to talk about it? Now, this is a kid who always wants to talk about it. So I know that when I ask that question, it's like, get comfortable. Here we go. And he said, mum, it upset me when you were playing with so-and-so. And he's like, it also hurts my feelings because Brendan was smiling when the girls were just putting their shoes on or when the girls jumped into the pool, Brendan was happy and smiling, but he doesn't do that when I jump into the pool. 
And he said, you know, the girls were squirting him in the face with a water pistol and he was laughing. But I think if I squirted him in the face with a water pistol, it wouldn't be funny or cute. So he's clocking all of these things. And this is a kid who worries about growing up. You know, he, we joke about him having existential crises, crises, but at night, sometimes before he goes to sleep, he will say things to me like, mom, I don't want to grow up. Please, like, please keep me little. I don't want to get bigger. And I understand that because I was a bit like that as a child as well. And so he's really noticing this period of his life where he's nine years old and he's not the cute toddler and particularly being a twin, like an identical twin, you know, they used to get so much attention wherever we went, you know, oh, look at you two, you're adorable twins. And so he's really noticing, oh, I'm not the cute baby anymore. And I am having to hold myself to a standard where I'm more responsible for things. You know, he's having to contribute more. He's growing up. And sometimes he really doesn't want to grow up. And I don't blame him because I understand to an extent, of course, I've never been a nine-year-old boy, but I can see the shift in attention and expectation that goes on to kids. And I think at nine, there's this transition phase where they're not a big kid. You know, he's not old enough to go, um, on a massive bike ride on his own. You know, he's at the age where he can go around the block and that sort of thing, but he's got limitations in terms of being a big kid and he's certainly not a little kid anymore. And so I have a lot of empathy and understanding for that feeling that maybe he's trying to anchor himself in, oh, I'm not cute anymore. And like we've had moments with him going through the separation and different things that pop up in his life where he will regress a little bit and I'll hear him talk and I think, oh, he's putting on a bit of a baby voice and I know he's doing that because he thinks it's cute and it, you know, uh, in his mind I think incites more attention. Again, that's probably another podcast topic for another day with a speech pathologist or someone like that. But I have empathy for him. And so we had this conversation and he said, I feel like you and Brendan don't like me as much as you like the girls. And I said, oh, really? Like, tell me about that. Why do you think that? And again, he went over the, you know, well, you smile when they do something that's very simple, like they're putting sun cream on their legs and everyone thinks that's great. And he goes, I put sun cream on and no one cares. (laughs) You know, so it's all these little jealousy things. That's what it is. He was jealous that other children had our attention and focus, which makes sense if someone has an insecure attachment, the bond feels fragmented and feels weak. And I think there's also an element of control as well there, feeling very out of control that mum and Brendan are enjoying time with other children. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. 
And I said on my Instagram stories, as a parent, it is an honor that our children share these inner thoughts and fears with us. And it can be an exhausting honor as well. And it can be really tempting as a parent to hear something like that and to default into a mode where you start you know, mentally or literally listing out all the things you do for that child and making them feel like they're very selfish for having those feelings. And, you know, you might want to be like, well, look, I do all these things for you and da, 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 da. Like I couldn't give you more if I tried and blah, blah, blah. And you're being silly and minimizing their experience. I completely understand how exhausting this honor is that I'm talking about. I have my moments where I'll sometimes just be looking at the boys where they're sharing something with me and I'm thinking like, I don't have the bandwidth for this. I do not have the bandwidth. But I also know like I just have to (laughs) because I'm a mom. That's what we have to do, right? And so he's sharing this stuff with me. I can recognize I have that feeling come up within myself of like, oh my gosh, how much more of my soul do you want and need? Don't be so selfish type of feeling. But I pushed through that and I don't think I let him know that that was something that came up for me as well. And I said to him, like, I understand. I get it. It's hard for you when we spoke about how hard it can be to transition and you're not quite a big kid and you're not a toddler anymore and it can be hard. And he just let out a big sigh of like, yeah, it can be hard. And I could tell that for him it was just helpful having someone articulate or assist him in articulating his experience. And I said to him, like, I can remember feeling like that too. When my younger sister was born, I was five years old and I could remember as she got older and got cuter in terms of the toddler space and I got pushed into that more awkward phase of, yeah, having these big kid expectations but still having a very immature mind, uh, like I can relate to that feeling. And then I said to him, Something I've learned is our brains are very clever at proving what we want to believe to be true. So I think that today you've gotten this thought in your head, you've taken, you've looked at something that's happened, you know, mummy jumping in the waves or Brendan swimming in the pool with the girls, and you've taken that little kind of photo in your mind and you've decided that that is true And so then your brain spends the rest of the day looking for ways to prove that's true. And so then you look for other interactions and we spoke about other things that he might have noticed throughout the day. And I said, and how do you feel when you focus on those things? And, you know, he said, I feel sad, feel really sad. I said, yeah, you would feel sad. That makes sense. That makes sense that if you've spent all day looking for ways to make yourself feel worse, that you would feel sad. And I said, something I've learned as someone who also can sometimes feel insecurely attached is that we have to put in a little bit more effort to find the things that happen in the day to prove the opposite. Because if we're feeling sad, but we want to feel content and happy or safe, how could we look for things to prove that the opposite is true? So I said to him, so you've had that thought, mum and Brendan like these kids more than me. Then you've spent all day clocking things to make that feel stronger. But what it ends up doing is making you feel worse. So what if we rewound some of the things that happened today and we went, oh, I can see mum's having fun with the kids and so is Brendan. 
that doesn't feel so good. But then we stop ourselves and instead of counting all the other ways that that can be true, we purposefully have a bit of effort to count the other ways that prove the opposite is true. And he was with me on this concept. He could get it. And I said, you know, you could think about, oh, I've just spent an hour bodyboarding with Brendan. He must really think I'm important. Mum's just gone under the waves with me and we had so much fun and she held my hand the whole time. She kept her word and she said when she finished playing with the little one, she was going to swim with me and she did. And then we got back here and I was actually able to help the girls get into the floaties. Um, you know, and we went through things and I said, I want you now to try and think of five things that would make you feel safer in your bond and remind you how much mum and Brendan love you. And I said, there's enough love in the world. Like it's not a finite resource. We don't start the day with 10 love points and then we use all of those love points up on someone and there's not enough left for other people. You know, that's not how love and enjoyment works. There's enough for everyone. So I said, all right, I want you now to think of five things, just five, that prove to you that mum and Brendan have a strong bond with you and we value you. And so he said, you know, the bodyboarding thing, I went bodyboarding with Brendan and I had so much fun and he taught me how to duck dive under waves with my board. Great. Two, Brendan was throwing me in the pool and that was really, really fun. Three, uh, mum going under the waves with me. Four, mum reading me a book together. And five, Brendan and I started the day by watching a movie because he'd he's on this thing about watching movies with Brendan. And so I said, you can use your screen time if it's okay with Brendan, to watch a movie with him this morning. And that's a treat. They don't normally get to watch a movie of a morning. Um, And so he said, and I got to watch a movie with Brendan. And I said, huh, how do you feel when you think about those things? And he said, oh, I feel a bit better. And I said, exactly. And the great thing is you don't have to limit it to five. You can keep going until you feel really good and really secure. And so I said to him, this is a big concept. This is a big concept that a lot of adults don't even uh, engage in. So don't feel bad that it wasn't the first, you know, way that you thought to think about this situation, but it's a really, really helpful tool because as we move through life, we're always going to be in situations where we get to choose, is this a situation that I'm going to make myself feel worse about? Or is this a situation that I'm going to make myself feel better about? We have the ability to shape our reality with the thoughts that we choose and the things that we focus on. And I said to him, you know, there's this thing that our brain does and it's a bias. It's called the beta Meinhof. And he kind of like looked at me like, whatever, mum. But I said, it's a frequency illusion. And then he was a bit more interested, of course, nine-year-old boys and magic. And I said, if we think about something, our brain, again, because our brains are so smart, our brain seeks out ways to prove to us that there's a lot of that thing or that, that that we're right. And so I said, you know, if you start thinking about red cars, you're going to see red cars everywhere. If you start thinking that mum and Brendan don't value you as much as other children, you're going to see that proof everywhere. So you've almost got to put on a different pair of sunglasses with different lenses, lenses that help you find all of the ways in which we love and value you. And we had this conversation and I said to him, it's a really adult thing and it takes effort. 
you know, I said it takes effort to do that, but the effort that it takes is really worth the result. Yes, it takes a little more mental gymnastics to find the things that make us feel good and bolster us and strengthen our bonds, particularly when we do have more of an insecurely attached mindset. It takes a bit of effort, but it's so much better for us because if we don't put that little bit of effort in and we let the snowball roll down the hill and the whole way down the hill, it's collecting evidence to the contrary to make ourselves feel worse, then we end up just putting ourselves in this intolerable situation where we can have so much inner turmoil happening and so much chaos happening. And then that can impact the way that we act and it can just escalate things and make everything worse. Whereas if we start a snowball rolling down the hill and we collect things that make us feel better along the way, we're going to soothe our nervous system And we're going to be in a much better place mentally, emotionally, physically. And I know, like I know I will have to have this conversation with him again and again and again and again. But I also know it's a really great springboard for so many other conversations. You know, if he has an interaction with a friend and he gets so upset and he does, uh, and rejection sensitivity is part of ADHD as well, and I can see he has that, you know, if he even gets a whiff that someone is rejecting him, it is painful for him. Whereas his brother, it's just not like, it's just less of a big deal. He might not like it, but he just moves on and accepts it. And so even in that instance, when he's sensing rejection from a friend, this will be a helpful practice for him to turn to, you know, he might go, huh, that friend just said X, Y, Z, and that makes me feel yucky. And then he's going to start looking for all of the proof why that person is no longer his friend or that person no longer likes him. But if we can build that practice of redirecting our attention towards interactions that make us feel better and safer, it's going to go a long way. And so it is an adult concept. You know, I remember a guest speaking about this in regard to relationships, Abby Medcalf, Dr. Abby Medcalf. She said, Often in our romantic partnerships, we get stuck on a story and we start thinking, oh, he doesn't value me, she doesn't value me, and then you start building a case because your brain wants to be proven right because in a sick and twisted way, it makes us feel better even though it actually makes us feel worse. It makes us feel safer because we're predicting the outcome, right? So it gives us a sense of control. Whereas if we stop ourselves at that first thought and go, oh, I'm feeling like they don't value me, Rather than then spending the next 24 hours looking for all that proof, if we stop and make the concerted effort, and it is annoying, but it is worth it, make the effort to seek out proof to the contrary. Okay, actually, maybe they do value me because they filled up my petrol. Um, You know, they bought my favorite meal home. They bought the washing in, whatever it is that makes you feel valued, that you could either discard and go, oh, I'm not even going to register that and continue to focus on the negative, or you could actually shift your focus again, pop the glasses on with the better lenses that help you to see the things that actually make you feel safer and more secure and more stable. Not easy work, but important work. And so that's a conversation I had with my son. It really, really helped him. And after he started listing the things that proved to him that his bond was strong with Brendan and I, 
he really did turn his attitude around and he got on with the day rather than going down kind of a mopey, sooky path, I could see it clicked for him. I really, really could. So as requested, I've rehashed this story here. Hopefully it is helpful for you, uh, whether you have children or not. I think it's just something that it's one of those concepts that we can all lean into that will add value and enjoyment and make ourselves feel safer and make us responsible for how safe we feel rather than outsourcing it. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to me if you let me know whether that's by screenshotting it and popping it up on your Instagram story and tagging me, and then I can share it as well. Or if you're not much of a sharer, but you just want to slide into my DMs, go ahead and do that as well. I really, really value and appreciate you listening to this podcast episode. The feedback I've had recently is that people would prefer solo episodes. So I am trying to listen to that. I love to chat to guests. Um, but if you do enjoy the solo episodes, again, you let me know because then that is helpful intel for me. I hope you have an amazing day and I look forward to connecting with you soon. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going? Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.